Well, good morning again, church. It is so good to have all of you here with us this morning. Again, want to welcome those with us online as well as those. This is your very first time. We're glad that you are here. I want to double down on what Amber was sharing about the volunteer fair. Uh, we, a lot of times we talk about our church being a family. And so the challenge is when you have a family, everybody is a part. And so if you have been a part of this family and have yet to take the step to engage, this is the way to do it. All right? And so when service is over, please go walk around, at least learn, at least take a moment to find out what the opportunities are to be a part of this. And I know that you'll have a greater experience and a deeper and more rich experience here, a part of Zoe Church, when you begin to engage that way. All right? Uh, well, this morning we are continuing in the series that we have been in, The Proverbial Life, as we are walking through the book of Proverbs. Uh, hopefully you caught last Sunday as Pastor Dan shared a powerful message with us last week, did a great job. And uh, we've been walking through Proverbs, and Proverbs uh, has a lot of wisdom, and it talks a lot about what does God say, what's his plan, what is his wisdom. And the challenge for us is, will we actually heed God's wisdom, or we will go off and do kind of our own thing? And so throughout the weeks, we've talked about a few different things. First, we talked about diligence. Uh, several weeks ago, we talked about alcohol. Last week, Pastor Dan talked about pride, and this morning, we are talking about Sex, all right, sex. It makes me want to sing the old salt and pepper song. Let's talk about sex. They, okay, we're not going to do that, okay. We're not going to do that, everyone, all right. But we are going to talk about sex, though. So uh, I heard a preacher one time say, you know, young people specifically, there's three topics they really like to hear uh, preachers talk about. Number one is sex. Number two is the end times. Number three is will there be sex in the end times? It's a question a lot of people are asking. So... I'm not going to answer that question for you. I don't have a biblical answer on that one, but hey, whatever. So uh, this morning, I know some people will be uncomfortable by this conversation. That's okay, right? I'm not going to be because I get to talk to people about this on a regular basis. So it's not uncomfortable with me, but that's fine. We totally get that. Just kind of deal with it the best that you can. But this morning, we are going to talk specifically about sex, uh, sexuality, and sexual temptation. And uh, just being honest for a moment, when we talk about this this morning, I understand that there's a lot of groups in the room, okay? There's lots of different people in the room. There are some people in the room who you were raised in church, and you have a, uh, what you would consider a very clear biblical understanding of sex and sexuality. Um, but at the same time, you may have that understanding, and at the same time, it's still a challenge or it's something that you wrestle. Uh, my guess is there's other people here in the room who you weren't raised with that understanding. And so your understanding of sex and sexuality, you have some mindsets, some ideas that are based on maybe what culture has said. And so I get that. You walk in the door, and maybe you're like, okay, this will be interesting to see what, what he talks about. There's some of you here this morning, when we talk about sex and sexuality, you've experienced abuse. And if you have, I'm, have, I'm very, very sorry. It can be one of the most painful experiences that, that you can have uh, here on earth. And, and if that's you, I, I understand. There's, this is, could be something that brings up some, some past experiences for you. There's others of you that are, maybe you've got some confusion around the area, and it's something you've wrestled with personally. You're not even sure where you're at personally and, and, and what that looks like. And, and so there's a lot of things that can be brought up when we talk about this here this morning. And so I hope you can understand that there's no way in 30 minutes that I can perfectly articulate everything relating to this topic and do it in a way that perfectly connects with every person in their personal story. Right, can you understand that? So I'm going to ask that you just give me a little grace as I do my best here this morning to communicate, I, I'm probably not going to be able to say it perfect for your situation and, and where you're at in life. 
But I'm going to do my best to do the same thing with this topic as we do about everything. I'm not going to be here this morning with what are my ideas, what are your ideas, what is culture's ideas. We're going to go to scripture and say, what does God have to actually say about this? And then how is it that we should respond to this? Um, I, I will say that for some of you, you may not like the things I have to say this morning. And that's okay, because guess what? There's a lot of things that I read in Scripture that I don't like. God asks me to do things. He tells me not to do things, and sometimes I don't like it. And the question is, will will I respond? How will I respond when God speaks? And so I would encourage you this morning uh, to just open your hearts. Let's, again, let's allow God to speak to us. Rather than coming with our preconceived ideas, let's open our hearts say, God, what do you have to say to us? How would you want to speak to me today? All right, if you got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 5? Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. As you turn there, remember, in our New Testament reading plan. So if, you, if you've kind of gotten off course, we're in the book of Romans right now. So please uh, stick with it. You can jump in, find that on our homepage of our website or on the homepage of our app if you want to. One other quick uh, thing. If you are in one of our summer small groups, a number of our summer small groups are actually ser- sermon-based, meaning they're discussing the sermon. This would be a good week to break up men and women. I'm just going to give you a heads up on this one. Because some of the things I'm going to ask you to talk about, you might not want to talk in a mixed ca- uh, setting in those small groups for this specific message, all right? Would you stand with me as we're going to read our uh, passage this morning? Uh, Proverbs chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1, says this. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Father, uh, we just are asking for your wisdom today. Uh, The world has a lot to say about this topic, and we're just asking, what do you have to say? And so, God, would you give us hearts that... Uh, listen to you and respond. Uh, we just pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said, "Amen." You can be seated. Now, I don't know how you were raised uh, when it came to sex and, and talking about some homes. Maybe you talked about it. other homes. Maybe you didn't talk about it at all. It was just like that awkward thing. Nobody wanted to say anything. But if you were raised in the church, I know there's a mindset that exists in the church, and maybe you were raised this way. And here's the thought: is this that that sex is dirty and filthy, and you should save it for the person you marry? Okay. Dirty and filthy. And save it just for that person you really love, you know. It's just a, and, and so why, why do I say this? Because I think when we have this understanding of sex, it gives us a very corrupt view of God. Right? We have a very corrupt view of God. It messes things up because here's the little thing that maybe you don't want to think about. It's that sex was God's idea. This was his idea. He planned this. It wasn't like some surprise one day. Oh, look at what Adam and Eve are doing. I didn't know that was going to happen. That's not how it worked. This was his idea. He planned it. Okay, the whole, this thing that the whole world wants you to think about, right? They bring it into everything in life. This thing, God made it. It was his plan. It was his design, right? Remember in creation, God creates, 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 right? Good, 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 good. Then he gets to man and woman and the relationship between them. And he says, this is very good. This is very good. And hear this, especially you young people, because Satan wants you to think that God is prude, cruel, and boring. 
right? And culture wants you to think that all of the good stuff is outside of what God desires for you, right? You got to step outside of God's plan if you want to have real fun, if you want to experience the real good stuff. That is a lie from the pit of hell, okay? Our God is a good God. Like this was his idea, okay? He planned this thing. And and in fact, some of you don't even know this, there's a whole book of the Bible describing a sexual relationship between a man and a woman. And I think I just got some teenagers to start reading their Bible. They didn't even know it, right? And I'm going to say this, and this is going to make some of you real uncomfortable, okay? This was God's idea. This God that we serve, he is amazing. He is a good God. He's not trying to suck the fun out of life. But there is a part of the female anatomy that serves no other purpose but to give pleasure while having sex. God made that. That's who he is. He's not a God trying to take the fun away. He's a God who has established some things. The question is, how do we relate to what he's created? Right? That's the question. And so based on this understanding that sex was God's idea, this was his plan, how then should we view sex and sexuality? I think we have to look at the same lens that we've been looking throughout this entire series, and it's the simple phrase, the fear of the Lord. Now, if you haven't been here the last several uh, weeks, uh, I'm going to want to kind of clarify what this means. This isn't some general idea of like, I got the fear of God, I'm just trying to know. What does this mean? The word fear here, it means an, an awe or a holy reverence. It means submission. It's a recognition that there is one that is higher than you and that I bring myself in submission to the one who is higher. That's what it means to fear. But it isn't just some general sense of I fear God out there, I fear the Lord out there. Whenever you see in the Old Testament All four caps, Lord, that isn't a general term. That is a proper noun. That is Yahweh. That is the name of God as revealed in Scripture. And so this phrase, the fear of the Lord, means a submission, not to some general sense of a God out there, but a a submission to the God as revealed in Scripture and in Christ. That's what it means to have the fear of the Lord. And we understand what this Lord is like. He's not a God who's trying to suck the fun out of life, and and he's a God who cares about you. He desires what's good for you. He wants what's best for you. That's who this Lord is. And so we're submitting to a God who actually cares about us. Now, uh, when it comes to sex and sexuality, okay, will we submit to what God has to say? That's the question. Will we bring this area of our life underneath his lordship? You see, in our culture, instead of submitting to Yahweh, uh, what have we done? In many ways, we turn sex and sexuality into an idol. It becomes this idol that we bow down our lives to, that we worship, that we celebrate in unhealthy ways. Sexuality for many and in our culture is the most important thing. And in fact, we are told that our sexuality, that is our true identity. Who we are. It's not just a thing we do. It is who we are. My sexual desire is who I am. Does anyone else think that that's a very low view of ourselves? That the truest thing about me is my sexual desire? It's a very low view of me. There's a lot more important things about me than simply my sexual desire. And I want you all to hear this, that 
The truest thing, you'll hear me say this on a regular basis, the truest thing about you is not what you think, it's not what you feel, it's not what you desire, and it's not what the world says about you. The truest thing about you is what God says about you. That's the truest thing about you. And the question is, will we listen to what God says? If you're here this morning, you say, I'm a follower of Christ. You are in Christ. Well, understand this. If you are in Christ, you have an identity that is eternal and cannot be taken away from you. That's who you are. Who does God say you are? It's the truest thing about you. So if we are to deny sex and sexuality as an idol in our life, Right? And instead, we're going to choose to fear the Lord, we're going to choose to submit to the Lord, then we have to recognize that God has established boundaries around what sex and sexuality should look like. Right? So there's a principle that I think we all understand. Uh, it's not just having to do with this topic. It, it deals with lots of topics. The principle is this. Boundaries are tests. Right? Boundaries are tests. They're a test of whether or not we are going to obey what that boundary is. It's a test of whether we'll submit to that thing. And oftentimes it becomes a test of do we actually trust the person who's setting the boundary. That's what we see in this. Now, sometimes it's around things that don't actually really matter, right? There's things that don't matter. Uh, how many of you, just honestly, how many of you uh, growing up, you're a color inside of the lines kind of person when you had a color? Raise your hand. You're a color inside. You're the, you know, that's great. <laughs> okay, I'm that person too. Like when, my, when I was coloring with my daughter this week and we were really detailed staying there. How many of you are just like, don't really care? Just, I knew that about Micah. He didn't have to say anything. Like I know. He's just like, doesn't matter. Keep it free. Whatever. Now there's some boundaries that don't really matter. Like it doesn't really matter. But then there's tests that, there's certain boundaries that, that start to matter. Another moment of honesty. How many out there uh, have ever received a speeding ticket? Raise your hand. Okay. Right. Exactly. Like it's a boundary. And sometimes we listen and sometimes we don't. Right. Sometimes we're like, well, they'll give you five miles, right? I do. I know we got some cops in the room. No, I don't ever do that. Right, right. Okay. Right, it's a boundary. It's a test. Will we obey? Are we going to actually submit or not? It's a test for us. But you know that there's tests that really matter. You ever uh, had a cleaning product or something like that that has a little warning? Warning, do not drink. This could kill you. That's a boundary. Like, that's a test. Am I going to listen? I can say, I don't trust that guy. I'm going to just, I'm going to drink this thing and just see what happens. I could do that. Or I can choose to trust the warning and say, I'm going to trust that the people who made this thing actually know the best way to deal with it. So, we come to sex and sexuality. You go back to the Garden of Eden. What does is, what is uh, Adam and Eve do? God sets a boundary for them. Right? He says, you can do all the stuff, whatever you want to, Right? Except this one thing. And what's the result? Adam and Eve, they go their own way. They say, nope, we're not going to submit to you, God. We're not going to have the fear of the Lord in this moment. We're going to do our own thing. And the result is sin enters the world. And it brings death and destruction and decay and all the things that we experience today. And Romans chapter 1 talks about it. It says, because of that, God gave mankind over to these desires. And the result is what? One of the things that gets listed is sexual perversion. That's what gets listed. And see, when we get into this place where we say, God, I don't trust you. I'm not going to follow what you have to say. I'm doing things on my own terms. The result is pain in our lives. The result is rebellion that puts us at odds 
with God in some way. And we think while we're doing it, we think, oh, this is the good stuff, right? This is outside of God. Like all the fun is over here outside of what God has commanded. But what does John 10, 10 say? I quote it all the time. The thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want you to have life. He wants you over here playing in the mud so that way he destroys your life. But God, who understands all things, he has all wisdom, and he designed sex with certain parameters, says, would you come over here and experience Zoe life? That's what I want for you. It's not a God looking to suck the fun out of life. It's a God saying, this thing is like poison, and if you don't treat it the right way, it could kill you. So will you listen to me? So what are the boundaries? What are the boundaries? So scripture teaches very clearly when it comes to the topic of sex. What is scriptural sex? What is holy sex according to scripture? It is one man, one woman in the context of marriage. That's the definition of holy sexuality in scripture. And scripture is also clear in one other way, that everything outside of that is considered sexual immorality and in turn is considered sin. Now, some of you are going to be like, I don't like that, Greg. Okay. I'm not asking if you like it or not. I'm just telling you what scripture has to say about it. And we simply have to respond based off of that. And I know there's some people in the room, you're like, well, Greg, I'm wrestling with some things right now. I understand that. And this is a good thing for us to talk about. But if we're going to come into a relationship and say, God, I want to submit to you, we need to know what are the things that we should be submitting to. What have you asked of us? What are you expecting of us? So we come to this topic and we say, okay, God, what do you want? Now, obviously, when it comes to that, there's a lot of things that, that, that aren't one man and one woman in the context of marriage. And I can't get into every last detail of those things, okay? I'm not going to sit here for an hour and explain all of those to you. But, but I will say the one area that I'm going to say that I see creeping up in over and over and over again in the church has to just the simplest form, and that is sex outside of marriage. Um, you say, well, well, I love them. I don't care if you love them. Just don't. What God has asked is like, hey, this is reserved for marriage. And I know that for, uh, I was talking to a single guy just recently. He said, you know what? Yeah, I, I go on dates and, and they call themselves Christians. And immediately I can see that this is starting to want to turn sexual in some way. And it's like, whoa. And it's like, what have we done? We've allowed culture to define what is right and wrong as opposed to allowing God to define what is right and wrong. Rather than saying, God, I'm going to follow what you, whether I like it or not, whether it's convenient or not, whether it's easy, whether that's the thing that I want, we allow God to define that. And what I, what I find very interesting is, as I said, the enemy wants you to think that all the good stuff is outside of what God has defined. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. That's what he wants you to think. <clears throat> he also wants you to believe that the best sex is outside of what God has planned. Like the best sex is out there. You want to have really good sex, here's what you got to do. You just got to go free, go have sex with whoever you want to, whenever you want to. That's where the best sex is. What I love is, is that, that studies have already disproven that myth. This isn't just a biblical thing. It actually proves itself in life because they have done multiple studies. And you know what gets proved over and over and over again? The best sex and the most sex happens for those who are married. So if you want to have a good sex life... Get married. The best and the most sex happens for those who are married. Now, I get there. There's some people in the room who are like, Greg, we don't have a great sex life. Well, it sounds like you have some marriage problems. 
If you deal with the marriage problems, you can actually have a better sex life. But think about it. Just practically speaking, you know, we, in the world, it's like, no, just be free. Go have sex with whoever you want to. Well, every night, you got to find somebody new, right, and figure this out. If you are married, you already know who you're having sex with, okay? And you know them, and you've been with them for a long time. Like, so you know what's good and what isn't good. Like, this stuff is, is not all that hard, okay? And so, so here's what I want to challenge you to, is to, to begin to understand that God actually has wisdom for us. He has ideas for us. He has thoughts for us. The question is, will we actually submit to them? The second topic has to do with sexuality. What is the boundaries when it comes to sexuality? Uh, Genesis 1.27 says this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Scripture teaches that God established boundaries when it comes to genders. But our culture wants to blur that line. Wants to eliminate any sense that there is a gen, uh, any gender that exists. Eliminate any boundaries that are there. And I will say this. It is true that any person can choose to express themselves however they want to. But none of that changes the realities of the boundaries established by God. Okay? It just doesn't. And the question is the same question as it relates to sex then, is will we submit to God's boundaries or will we rebel against them? That's the position we find ourselves in. And we have to wrestle that and say, okay, what am I going to do here? Now, I am not in the, in the business of telling the world how to live. That's not my job. You don't want to follow Christ? Live however you want to. That's your choice. My job here is to say, what does it look like to follow Jesus? That's why you come here. You don't come here because you're looking to follow somebody else. You want to follow Jesus. Okay, if we want to follow Jesus, you want to be a follower of Christ, then it's one who chooses submission. Chooses submission to God. Not just in the things that are convenient, in the things that they want to, but choosing submission in every area of life. Not choosing submission when it, when it makes sense. Not choosing submission when I want to. Not choosing submission when it's popular with everyone around us. Choosing submission no matter what to say. God, I trust you. I'm going to trust what you have to say. I might not see things as clearly as everybody else. So, God, I'm going to choose to trust you in this area of my life. That's what it means to follow Christ. And it's also choosing to say, you know what, God? My sexual desire will not define me. I am more than my sexual desire. And so I bring even my sexual desire under your authority. And I say, God, I submit to you. Okay? But here's the challenge. Some of you, you know all this. Like, you're like, yep, I got all that, Greg. Makes all sense. I'm following you. That's all great. But you still understand this as we all do. There's still a battle raging, right? You can know all the right things and recognize there's still a battle that is raging. There are still struggles that we are facing. And so we come to this passage in Proverbs chapter 5. And the, the chapter is focusing on, as we've talked about it here, the first several chapters is like a father figure speaking wisdom to his son or a mother speaking wisdom to her son. That's what's going on here in these passages. And so he's speaking about this idea of this adulterous woman talking about this. And what you have to understand is this woman, beyond just being a very specific, it also represents this idea of sexual temptation and sexual immorality at large. And so what are the things? I, I talked about it earlier. Everything outside of one man, one woman in the context of marriage is considered sexual immorality. What are some of the things that fit into that category? There are things articulated in Scripture, things like adultery, having an affair. That's in Scripture. Things like premarital sex, right? Engaging with prostitutes is talked about uh, negatively in Scripture. Even orgies is talked about in Scripture. And then there's the concept Jesus talked about lust. Remember he said this. He says, when we uh, lust after a woman... 
It's just like having an affair with her. It's just like committing adultery with her. So that this brings in some other things that we talk about and we see in our culture on a regular basis. Things like pornography and masturbation and Snapchatting one another and sexting one another. And let's just have a little Netflix and chill or let's hook up or let's sleep around or let's mess around or whatever you want to put in it. Any one of those things can fall into this category of sexual immorality and become something that is destructive in our lives. And so what we're going to do is look at this passage, and I think there's a few talking points here for you. So if you're taking notes, there's a few things for you. The first point that we see is this. Sexual temptation is, wait for it, tempting. (laughs) Sexual temptation is actually tempting. Look at what it says here in verse number three. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. There's a reason why sexual temptation is a challenge, because it's something we desire. It's something you, it's like dripping honey. It's smoother than oil. It's something that we desire. Sexual temptation is not like broccoli. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like raw broccoli. I'm not talking about cook. I'm talking raw broccoli. Like nobody craves raw broccoli. If you do, you're weird, okay? That's just weird. Raw broccoli. Like, you don't walk up and look at, there's the, there's the potluck. Where's the raw broccoli at? I need some of that. Give me some of that. At best, you're craving the ranch that you're going to dip the raw broccoli into, right? Like, that's, that's, the, that's the closest thing you're going to Nobody likes broccoli. Sex is not like broccoli. Like, it's dripping honey. This is something that's good. This is like pizza and ice cream. This is something you actually crave. It has a pull toward us. Like, we want this thing. And that is founded in a a desire that God has put in our hearts. The question is, are we going to allow that desire to be put into the right place under submission to Christ? Right? And so I I love the language here because he's talking about adultery and and this adulterous woman and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so you take that very specific example, and uh, I love the words that he used because he says this is a, an affair that's, that's trying to happen in here, and he's talking about her words and her speech. And I'll say this because I think somebody needs to hear this this morning because there are some of you here, um, you're on the edge of an affair, and it didn't start because you saw a picture, and it didn't start because you got in a dark room with someone. It started because you started having a conversation with somebody. It was online. It was at the office. It was that thing that nobody else knows about. You kept it to yourself and it's leading you down a wrong path. You need to understand that this whole sexual thing, it doesn't just start with, hey, we're getting crazy and naked all the time. No, it starts somewhere else a lot of times. I love this message because my wife is so uncomfortable right now. (laughs) Sitting on the front row listening to me. (laughs) But that's what it's like. And some of you, I would just say some of you, might say, this is not a temptation for me. Like this whole thing, Greg, you're talking about, this is not a temptation for me. I'll just say this to you. Beware then. Beware. Because there are stronger men and stronger women than you that have fallen into sexual temptation. So you might think, oh, it's not a temptation for me. Great. I'm glad it isn't today. But when you get into a tough situation, things get hard. You get discouraged. You get down. And the right person comes and meets a need in your heart. Beware. Okay? Beware. Sexual temptation is tempting. Right? Get to point number two. It says, sexual immorality is destructive. 
Look what it says in verse number four. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her path, paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it, okay? It may feel good for a moment. Sexual immorality will feel good for a moment, but then it'll bite. It'll destroy, right? When we choose to step beyond God's boundaries, we are only hurting ourselves in the long run. I think a lot of times, we don't play the whole story out. We don't when it comes to sexual things. We don't play the whole story out. We're like, oh, it feels good right now. Yeah, stop for a second. Think about what that's going to produce. I've sat across the table from people who've, who've engaged in this, and they're like, man, I had no idea this would cause so much pain. I had no idea this would cause so many problems. And I'm like, you didn't know that? And it was evident they never thought about what the ramifications of this decision were going to be. What kind of pain will this ultimately have? Right? We think about it from an eternal standpoint because Scripture talks, has long lists of these different types of people. One is the sexually immoral who will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is something we got to be careful when it comes to eternal things. But even when it comes to present things, you got to be aware. That thing you're engaging, what is that going to do with your relationship with your spouse? If that came to light, what's that going to do? What's it going to do with your relationship to your kids? What's it going to do with your relationship to your family? What's it going to do for you financially? What's it going to do for you for the rest of your life? How are people going to view you? How is this going to impact your job? How is this going to impact other areas of your life? you got to play the whole story out. Okay? My wife has made it very, very clear. If I engage in anything sexually immoral, I know where that's going to end. I've played that whole story out. And it ain't a good story. Okay? And so I want to stay pure because I want to live for God, right? And I stay, and I submitted to him, all those kind of things. But on top of that, I know where this story will end, and it won't end well for me, all right? So, <laughs> true, she says true. So I know that, all right? So because of that, all right, that should impact my decisions. But all of us have to think the same way. What is the result? And some of you young people are like, oh, this isn't going to be that big of a deal. Engaging in sex right now, yeah, one day you're going to have to tell your future spouse about that thing. I was just talking to a guy recently, and he's like, I'm with this girl, and it's getting serious. And I've got some of this stuff from my past that I haven't talked about yet. I'm like, well, you're going to have to talk about it at some point. He's like, it's going to be horrible. I'm like, yep, it is but you're going to have to talk about it at some point. So the sooner the better. And see, young people, you don't understand. The decisions you're making now, you will have to talk about someday. And it will impact your future. But I say the same thing to you adults. The decisions you're making, you're going to have to talk about someday. And we got to be wise. we got to think about the ramifications of those decisions. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 says this. It says, all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. You don't understand. You are actually hurting yourself when we engage that way. We get to number three, and it's this. Sexual sin must be taken seriously. Must be taken seriously. Look what it says in verse number 21. It says, for your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them, and the cords of their sin hold them fast. Call it what it is. Rebellion against God's boundaries, whether we like it or not, is sin. That's what it is. And so how are we going to respond? Like, we can't just mess around with the sin. We can't do that. Otherwise, we're only endangering ourselves. Remember back this winter, I, I preached a message called Fuzzy Jesus with my little stuffed animal Jesus. Some of you remember that message. If you missed it, go back and watch that. 
And I said, a lot of times we only want to listen to like the little soft Jesus words, like love people and be a good person, all that kind of, no, no, no. Sometimes Jesus got hard. He got real. And one of the things he said was what? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. What's he saying? Take it seriously. Like, sexual sin must be taken seriously. We have to understand this. This is a big deal. And so we're going to get to our big so what. We always say big uh, so what. What's the point of this thing? If you get everything else, I say here it is. Don't play with fire. Don't play with fire. This happened to me uh, just this past week. Uh, we were at a cabin. We were hanging out. Amber's parents our Christmas present. We got to go hang out at a cabin for a few days. It was fun. And we're sitting around the fire. You know, you've done this before. Late at night, you're sitting around the fire and just hanging out, having a conversation. I'm there with Amber. I'm with my mother-in-law. We're just talking. No big deal. And I'm sitting close because it was kind of cold, so I kind of got close to the fire. And I'm sitting there, and I had my leg crossed, and my flip-flop was up, and I didn't realize it. And all of a sudden, I looked down, and the front of my flip-flop had just totally melted and bent forward. I'm like, shoot. I pull it up, you know, and I'm like trying to bend it back real fast while it was still wet. It wasn't, I wasn't in the fire. I wasn't even touching the fire. I just got close to the fire. And it started affecting me. And you know the phrase, don't play with fire, you're going to get burned. And for some of us, you know, what's the fire? For some of us, it's pornography. That's the fire we're playing with. And you're like, oh, I'm not like super addicted. It's just something I kind of deal with every once in a while. Yeah, okay. But you're playing with fire. You understand that. It's extremely addictive in your life. It's destructive in your life. You don't have any filters on your computer. You don't have any filters on your phone. Your computer's in the back corner somewhere in the house so you can be by yourself. You've got access to some things that nobody else knows about. You're like, no, I'm okay. I got it under control. I got it under control. Don't play with fire. You're going to get burned. You just will. For some of you, it's that sexual relationship and you're just like, you know, we, we, you know I, we're good. We're going to wait till we get married. We're going to wait till we get married. But you keep going to their apartment late at night, locking the door, and there's nobody else around. Okay, you're, you're playing with fire. You're putting yourself in positions that are dangerous. Are you aware that when you play with fire, you get burned? Like I shared earlier, there's some of you. There's that relationship, that person at the office, that person you talk to online. Like, I'm not having an affair. Yeah, but you're talking. And that's a lot of time where it starts. You're playing with fire. You understand where this thing's going to end? You played that story out when you have to actually tell your spouse about that circumstance? You're playing with fire. It says this in Proverbs chapter 6 in the next chapter. It says this, can a man, he's talking about sexual things. He says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? Don't mess around with it. You're going to get burned. There's one thing that I, I love is that God really knows us, and he knows us better than we know ourselves. Because in Scripture, you're going to notice over and over again, there's this challenge to stand firm, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. you got the Holy Spirit living in you. Stand firm. This is going to be great. Except for one area. What is it? 1 Corinthians says this. Flee from sexual immorality. See all the other stuff? Stand firm, stand firm. If it's sexual related, get your butt and run, Okay? Don't play around with it. Don't mess around with it. God knows you better than you know yourself. Oh, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong. No, no, get up and run. When you have the temptation, man, and you're struggling, you're like, I want to look at porn. Don't just sit there and like debate with the computer whether you're going to do it. Stand up and get away from the computer, okay? If you're having a conference, there's that person, you're like, oh, I want to go flirt with them. Don't sit and flirt with them. Stand up and get away. 
run. Flee from sexual immorality. We desperately need to. We cannot mess around with it. God knows how dangerous it is in our life. Don't play with fire. You're going to get burned. So as we close here this morning, I want to talk just for a moment to those who are, um, because I know there are people, many in this room, I would guess, who would say, yeah, I've been playing with fire. (laughs) I've played with fire. I've gotten burned. And for some of you, you carry with that shame from being burned. Whether it was your doing or someone's doing to you, you have shame from that experience. There's pain, there's trauma, there's hurt, there's fears, there's sadness, there's all these things that you may be feeling. And I know sometimes when we get into that place, it's easy to think, I don't, I'm too dirty. Like I said, I'm, dir- I'm dirty and filthy. Forget the set, I am dirty and filthy because of what's happened. There's no way God would forgive me. There's no way I could have a new beginning, but that's not what the gospel says. There's a story that I, that I share a lot, and, and I love it because I think it's the, the most full presentation of, of, the, of how we get to respond to the gospel and how the God, gospel treats us. And it's Jesus comes to a moment where there's a woman who's caught in the act of adultery. You know the story. She's caught in the act of adultery, like mid, <laughs> you understand this? And now she has been thrown in front of a bunch of people and said, stone her, let's stone her. And, and Jesus uh, is asking, Jesus, what should we do? He says, all right, whoever is without sin, you get to throw the first stone. And if you know the story, everybody walks away. Nobody's left. And it's just Jesus. And he asks her, where are all your accusers? He says, there's none. And this is where we get to see the, the fullness of the gospel, right? She says, then neither do I condemn you. What is that? It's God's grace. It's God's grace. To a woman who is caught in the middle, like she knows she's guilty, and God says, I don't condemn I want something better for you. I'm gonna extend grace to you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna provide for you a healing that you can't even create for yourself. And it's available for every single one of you here this morning. No matter where you're at, no matter what you've experienced, no matter what your story looks like, God has his grace available, his amazing grace that will wash over you and give you a brand new beginning. But the story doesn't stop there, right? Because what does he say? Neither do I condemn you, that is grace. Go and sin no more. That's his truth. And so we can't be the church that's just get sloppy grace. Yep, just everything's good. No, not everything isn't good. Not everything is the right thing. But there's a God who says you can come, receive complete healing and restoration, and begin a brand new life today. Walking under my authority. But it's going to take a step. You're going to have to do some things. There's some changes you're probably going to have to make in your life. It might not be fun. It might not be easy. But it's available to you if you want to. And so if you're here this morning and you say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to follow Christ. Not everybody in the room wants that. Okay. But if you're here and you say, I want to follow Jesus, then I have a challenge for you. And here's the challenge. Deal with your sexual temptation and sexual immorality. Some of you are like, that sounds harsh, Greg. I'm not being harsh. I'm just saying we have to deal with it. Because too often we're, we're allowing things. We're allowing things in our life. We're just kind of playing. We're just kind of worried. Well, I'm just not going to talk about that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to worry about that one, right? No, no. Quit living that way, and you have to deal with whatever it is. 
For some of you, it may just be a temptation. There's just some temptation that you're struggling with, right? And you're just not really confronting that. Maybe you have to do something, set up some boundaries for yourself. But there's others of you, you know it. You are engaged in sexual immorality right now. There are areas of your life that are there. Guess what? Today is a new day. It's a new chance to say, okay, God, I'm going to bring this under your authority. I'm going to submit this thing to you, and I'm going to live a different way. I'm going to repent, which means I'm going to turn away from this thing and begin to walk in a new way. And so for some of you, you may need to, uh, uh, you need to cut off contact with some people. There's somebody in your life, like, it's getting questionable. That relationship's getting toxic. You might be going places you shouldn't be going. You got to cut that thing off. You're in a relationship that's going the wrong direction. They're leading you the wrong way. You need to cut that thing off. For some of you, you maybe need to delete some apps on your phone that are taking you the wrong direction. There may be some filters you need to be putting on your computers, filters you need to be putting on your, on your phones. You maybe need to get some other accountability in your life in some way. Some of you need to move where your computer is in your house. Some of you need to give your spouse your passwords, okay? I'll just say this. My wife has every password. She can get into my phone. She can go to my computer. She can look at it. And she has free reign to go there whenever she wants to. And sometimes it bugs me. But I've given her free reign. Go look at my, go look at everything. Why? Because I don't want there to even be an opportunity for me to get going the wrong way. I don't want to play with fire. I don't want to do stupid things because greater men than me have fallen sexually. And so I've got to be intentional. I can't just hope, let's hope this is good. No, I've got to work to make sure it's good. All right? And I'll say this. We know this, that pornography is one of the biggest challenges that we face in our world today. And it's no longer just a man issue, okay? It isn't. One of the, the, growest, uh, the fastest growing demographic is women when it comes to pornography who are having struggles there. And I just want to say, this isn't something that you have to, you know, the enemy wants you to think you're the only one struggling with this. You're not, okay? In this room, I would say there's a, a very high percentage that either at some point or currently are struggling with that. You are not alone but you're not gonna get out of it alone either. It's gonna require you to take a step. And so maybe you need to talk to a friend. You need to talk to someone. You need to talk to one of the pastors. Do what you need to do. Deal with those things so that you can experience the fullness of what God has for you, right? His plan, his desires for you when it comes to sex and sexuality. That's our hope for everyone, right? Would you stand with me across the room? For just 30 seconds, I want you to ask this. Say, Holy Spirit, is there something I need to deal with? Right now, close your eyes. Say, Holy Spirit, is there something I need to deal with? And give him space to speak to your heart. God, I thank you that you aren't a God standing with a big bat looking to whack us over the head when we, we do something wrong. You're a God that's inviting us to something better. You want something better for us. And so, God, we come acknowledging that there at times is sin in our hearts and in our lives. And, Father, for those who need to have moments of surrender right now, moments of repentance, God, I pray that you would do that. God, for those who you've spoken to their hearts of things that they need to deal with, Lord, I pray uh, that this wouldn't just be a moment where they just say, okay, great, move on. But God, I pray they would take the step, whatever that step is, whatever that thing is, would they deal with it today? 
Would they begin a new journey today of freedom, recognizing we all still fail, but God, ultimately we want to have a trajectory that is pointed to you in every area of our life, even when it comes to this most personal issue. May we be submitted to you, Jesus. God, if there's further things we need to wrestle with you, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, speak and lead and guide every heart here this morning. Lord, I I pray that we as a church, we would be the kind of church that as you were, we open arms and we have grace for every single person. And at the same time, Father, we do not compromise what you are calling us to and the truth you're asking of us, Lord. Pray that in the name of Jesus. Everyone said.